Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Do you think that every family has its own dirty secrets? You know what? That's not a very nice assumption for me to make. It's so sorry. And that's like a bit of a statement. So let me rephrase. You know, there's always rumors, allegations surrounding rich families. And if you watch Dynasty or Succession or Gossip Girl, it feels like the richer the family, the more shady the alleged secret, right? So how about one of the richest men in Vietnam? What kind of secrets do you think he has? How about one? about a mansion in the heart of Saigon. Where at night the family visitors staff, they keep seeing a ghostly figure wander across the hall or stand by the window just quietly watching you. Where if you are unlucky enough to be awake late, late at night, you might hear a lady crying very near you. Or could she even be in the same room? Hi, I'm Teddy and welcome to A Briefcase. Today, we're looking at a Vietnamese urban legend, the daughter of Hu Bi Hua. Okay, even though the story of the haunting is an urban legend, the family is still very much real and remains one of the richest Vietnamese families, even though right now, today, they're mostly based in France. So we need to start with Hu Bi Hua, or Hue Bon Hua. I've seen it spelled and pronounced both ways, but the main thing is that he was a very real man. At his peak, okay, it's estimated that his portfolio was almost 30,000 properties. That's hot. And so this happens in the 19th, 20th century, way before the Vietnam War and communism touched the Indochina shores. And he's more commonly known as Uncle Hua, so we'll go with that. And Uncle Hua was born in 1945 to a Hokkien family in Xiamen. And his family immigrated to Saigon Cho Lan in the late 19th century. So at that time, if I'm not wrong, Vietnam was still a French colony. He's scrappy, he's hungry, and there's a couple of stories on how he built his wealth. The most common one was that he was working as a cardboard collector, like a Karanguni man, and then one day he's digging through the recyclables and he finds a bag of gold, which technically I guess is recyclable, but still. And then he uses this gold to slowly invest in property, and that's how he became one of the richest men in Vietnam. And there's another story written by a researcher, Tim Dowling, and in this version, he started working for a company and he had a mentor. And with that mentor, he managed to get French citizenship. And he also started a bomb business. And you know the kind where people sell their things for money like jewelry or watch, and it's usually done only if it's very urgent. And with this business, he started getting more and more money. And then he started becoming a big name. And then with his money, he also starts investing in property. Always, It always goes back to property. And he had a very good eye for land and property. And actually, a lot of the buildings he developed, they still stand today in Ho Chi Minh. 
And honestly, the urban legend about the mansion and his daughter, they're really just such a small thing compared to, let's say, the contributions that he made to Vietnam. He was a philanthropist. But that's not really what we're here for. No, I think like a lot of East Asian cultures, maintaining a good family appearance is very important and would have been very important back then. And around that time, there was an outbreak of leprosy in Vietnam. We do know that he had a number of sons and that his sons managed to run the business and his properties very successfully after he died in 1901. And he died reasonably young at the age of 56, but it's speculated that he also had a daughter. And she was loved and she was very beautiful, but when she was 16, during the leprosy outbreak in Vietnam, she was infected. But instead of putting her in a hospital or hospice or having her in a country house or something like that, he decides, well, maybe because of some strange form of love, he decides that he wants her near him. And, you know, maybe he wanted her comfortable at home. But if we're looking at it with a very critical eye, maybe he didn't want it to spread. He didn't want anyone other than the immediate family to know that his daughter got what was considered a dirty disease. There were also two versions of how she lived. Number one was that she was locked up in a room, there was a slot in the door, and her maids would pass her food through that slot in the door. In the other, it's also that she was locked in a room, but instead of passing her food through a slot in the door, they would come in and put the food on the table, but nobody was allowed to look up, nobody was allowed to look her in the face. And that would have been massively isolating. I believe that, well, I, I theorized that because she was so isolated, what was supposed to be essentially just a physical disease became a mental one, and she died lonely and quietly in that room. And so one reason I think that her dad really loved her is that he was going to have a coffin, a really nice coffin made for her. And, you know, if you know anything about the funeral business, you know that coffins are not cheap. And he didn't want her to be away from family, so he was going to have the coffin in the house in her room so that she could be close to everyone. But again, because he needed to keep up appearances, he technically had a funeral and a burial and everything set up. And we, we also don't know if maybe this was denial. But again, everything is speculative and alleged. This story has never been confirmed. And again, this is just an urban legend. But it was said that he told them, he told the staff in the house, to continue bringing her food as if she was still alive. And you know what, you know what that does. And about a year after, during her death anniversary, which is really meaningful because in a lot of Asian cultures, the death anniversary is when the spirit revisits the family just to check that everything is alright. And usually it's supposed to be a very reassuring thing. So on her death anniversary, her dad is like, Okay, I need you to go and put a white dress, a doll, and a bowl of chicken near the coffin, he tells the staff. Alright, and... You know, by the way, we're just keeping her body, this coffin in the house, like nothing is wrong. Honestly, if you paid me well enough and I was one of the maids, I would be like, okay, rich people a bit strange, but you know, okay, money is money, a job is a job. And so the maid puts everything down in the room next to the coffin and for a moment all is well, but a few minutes later, she's screaming that the lady is back. And so everyone in the house, they run into the room because what, what, what is she talking about? And when they look into the room, 
the doll is standing on its own. Alright, and I'm guessing that the, the maid put the doll laying down or sitting doll down, but the doll was standing. And the chicken rice, it was eaten. And if you're a more skeptical person, you might think that, okay, yeah, maybe the maid ate the chicken rice, and maybe the maid set up the doll to be standing. But if you're a bit more pantang, if you're a bit more superstitious, you might think that the spirit came back to visit during the death anniversary and then never left after that. And maybe it was this particular instance that caused a case of, I don't know, mass hysteria, but people said that they started seeing things around the mansion. For example, people allege that they see shadowy figures standing at the window, her window, where nobody lived anymore. The staff say that they saw a shadowy figure gliding along the corridors. And this makes complete sense also because if I was trapped in a room since I was 16 and suddenly now I'm a ghost and I have free reign, I would definitely go around exploring, you know? And that's the thing, there are also people who say that they hear a girl screaming and people who claim that they heard a girl crying. And so after the incident with the chicken rice and the coffin and the doll, Uncle Ho finally decided that, yeah, maybe it's a bad idea to keep a coffin in a bedroom in this house where people who are alive live. And so he decides to bury the coffin. But it's also speculated, it's also rumoured that a couple of months later, a group of grave robbers, they decide to dig up the coffin because they thought, you know, maybe her family buried her with gold and jewellery and money in the coffin. But when they opened the lid, nothing was there at all and it's believed that she returned back to the mansion. So around the 19th century, it was a time of civil war, communism was rising and you know it probably wasn't a good idea to be a landlord at the time and remember we know that the family was rich and we know that they had French citizenship so by 1951, all members of the family, they left Saigon which today now is Ho Chi Minh City after the war and they ended up settling down in France, which is where their real estate operations was also in. And then we know from 1950s, it's the Cold War. And we also know that there was the very unfortunate Vietnamese War. And the haunted house, the allegedly haunted mansion, it was transformed into the Ho Chi Minh Fine Arts Museum, which you can visit today if you are visiting Vietnam. And at some point, a group of ghost hunters, they show up to check, right? Because you know that's what ghost hunters do. And there was a couple of years ago, a group of ghost hunters from this channel called Ghost Hub TV, they actually went into the mansion and they set up a Ouija board and they lit candles in the museum. And then they asked, are you the daughter of the owner of the mansion? And the planchette, the pointy thing on the Ouija board, it actually moved to yes. And then they asked, which room of the mansion did you die? And the, the planchette, it moved to basement. And someone, one of the members of the crew was actually like, oh, why don't we go into the basement and search? And somebody asked, is there a basement in this mansion? Because allegedly, like, it's not recorded, there was. So it might be hidden. And I don't know why they asked this because... You know, this is my reasoning is that you should never ever bother ghosts or any spirits when you can, right? And they asked whether or not they could see her. And she replies, get lost. And so depending on whether you're a skeptic or not, you might think that this is actually... Well, maybe it makes it more or less real, depending on whether you're a skeptic or you're a bit more superstitious. And of course, I want to reiterate that these are rumours, these are all speculation, but 
This is one of the most famous urban legends in Vietnam. I think what makes this case particularly scary is that so many people in the story really were alive and this was a significant family and it wasn't that long ago. It was just maybe like one, two centuries ago. And one thing to note is that when it's a family that's so rich and powerful, it's always possible that the rumors were made up to discredit them or to hurt their reputation. You know, people are always stirring shit. But then again, it was not unheard of of people to hide away their crazy relatives or disfigured relatives, you know? Like, it would have also been very easy to make stuff up given how many parallels there are to stories and fiction and movies and things like that. Because it's Halloween, next week I'll be covering another urban legend, something a little bit closer to home. Next week, I'll be looking at Changi Hospital. The history, the hauntings, whether Satanists really did do dark rituals in the basement. And as always, here I am asking you to give me a 5-star rating on Spotify. And I've been trying really, really hard to be more consistent. You can drop me a DM on Instagram at a briefcase podcast if you have any recommendations. And as always, find me online at abriefcasepodcast.com. And do join us next week for another brief case. <laughs>